of the Packer quarterback. There's the shotgun snap. They rush four. He gets out of harm's way. Throws down the far side. End zone. Intercepted. Intercepted. Intercepted on the play. Robertson in the end zone. Far side. Oh, flag. The Raiders are going to win it. Well, that was the moment that it was over. The game was very boring in the first half, got very interesting in the second half. The Packers had their chances. The Raiders slammed the door. Who would have guessed the Raiders would be led by their defense? But when you have Max Crosby, we talk about chess matching football, and it doesn't matter if one team is pawns and the other team is queens and rooks. Max Crosby is the ultimate chess piece because he screwed up everything the Packers were trying to do last night. Chris, by the end of the game... Their main goal was to slow that guy down so Jordan Love would have a chance to get rid of the football. He got better as the game went on. He was relentless. He was beating double teams. He was beating designed efforts to try to stop him. The guy is unstoppable. When you have a player like that, you can beat anyone on any given night. Well, I mean, I mean, just, you know, you're saying it right. F the play up, real plays, taking on blockers like you see here. I mean, the motor is insane. The talent's insane. The athletic ability and the bendability to be in weird positions. He's got a great first step, right? And to your to your point, Mike, too, with all the talent he has, and then you add that on to the motor, he's got great instincts and football IQ. So I think, like, to your point, as the game goes on, he starts to get to feel, ooh, when the offense is in this formation, I think this is coming. I've seen this already. Oh, you know, when the, I see the O-lineman pa- pass set like this, I, he's used this move on me a little bit a few times or tried to, you know, uh, get his hands on me inside. So he gets, he, he gets information as the game goes along as well, which makes him unbelievable at the end of the football game. But, you know, yeah, you said it right. It was a, it was a sloppy, uninteresting game, but a big win for the Raiders and Josh McDaniels, who's – I mean, come on, we know he's under a little heat. He's had some questionable decisions, and he seems to be a guy that people want to jump on, so that was a a good win for them. The show is PFT Live, by the way. It's Tuesday morning, October 10. We're here on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports NFL, whenever they choose to play the show. We're just happy that they do. Podcast, whenever you choose to listen, we're happy that you do. We just jumped right into Well, it. I know. I wanted to be oh, like, what stop. are you doing? Why are you doing that? I got things to ask you. Well, I want to talk a little bit. You just got into the nitty gritty. Because they start with a highlight of the game. It leads us. They try to force us away from talking about stuff other than football. And today it worked until it didn't. And now we're not <laughs> talking about football, at least for a couple of minutes. Good morning. How are you? Did you have a good Monday? You're Less stress day than usual just because you do all your work from Sunday into your podcast into PFT Live and then you kind of get to take a little bit of a break, although you probably don't. I don't just because it's like it's, you know, my life then becomes a Monday and Tuesday, right? Not only prepare for your show and keep my eye on the NFL, but my Wednesday podcast is kind of a deep dive into film, right? We call it the What the F Happened podcast or Treasure Hunter podcast, right? Uh, and, and yeah, so like yesterday film, right. I did take a nap. I have to on Mondays cause I'm going on like less than four hours of sleep today. It'd be the same thing. Like I'm going to crack some film out as I'm eating breakfast this morning. I'll probably have to take a nap and then spend the rest of the afternoon doing that, but I'm okay. I'm good. I didn't have any Percocets to pop last night like you and who knows what kind of party was going on in the barn last night with you. You guys are just having a grand old time. Just prescription drugs. I'm holding the Percocet. <laughs> I'm, hold, I'm, hold, I'm holding the Percocet in case I need them because there was a point last night where things were starting to feel a little weird again, uh, and I didn't know which way it was going to go. Yeah. So, and I just tried to ignore it. You know, like eh, that's if you don't acknowledge it, it's not real. But I feel better now. I don't know if that thing's still moving around a little bit. I don't know if it's still in there or not. You know, it's funny. And this is just typical of how people react to anything and everything we say. I'll hear from some, please don't talk about your kidney stones on the show. We don't care. Others, please talk about your kidney stones on the show. That was captivating. That was compelling. I've been there. I've done that. Or or I've never had one. Thank you for the warning. 
I'm going to drink water all the time now. I'm going to do everything I can to possibly avoid going through what you went through. And my sister-in-law apparently has had one before. And via my brother-in-law, the word is the pain is worse than childbirth. Worse than childbirth. (laughs) So I'll defer to someone who has done both. Right. And if she says kidney stone worse than childbirth, I just thought it would be a solid number two. Yeah, sure. I wasn't trying right. to match because I've been there. I've witnessed it. I know it's not a picnic, and it lasts like for my wife. It's her birthday, by the way. Day, happy birthday. Hey, happy 18 birthday, 18 hours. Girl. 18 hours of, of all the pain and discomfort. But So I'll take kidney stone number two, whatever it is. There's nothing like it. You don't want it. You don't want to wish it on your worst enemy. It's horrible. It's awful. It's debilitating. And I've been drinking a lot. Thank you. Of water. Yeah, there we go. Good. No Diet Coke. Or let's limit the Diet Cokes there, Slugger. Okay? You're better than that. Hey, we. I like you. I like you old, and and I want you to be older when you're here together, you you old man Magoo. Come on. Second of all, (laughs) second of all, you never know when we're going to get a Coke Zero possible sponsorship. You know, because that is a product that I patronize uh, repeatedly. Although I don't drink a lot of it. It's just my mixer for, you know, when I have a drink down in the barn. I don't sit around with a bottle of Coke Zero all day. It's 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 not something you want to drink all the time. I wouldn't think so. But uh, it can be very refreshing. It can be very refreshing. Give you a nice little kick in the butt. But also refreshing water. Refreshing and flushing. Flushing out the waterworks and preventing you from developing little crystalline deposits that feel like a knife has been buried in your front or your groin or your back or wherever that thing gets lodged. Okay. So, uh, but, but yes, I was a little worried last night. You're tired. You're groggy. You feel okay. Like I'm very tired. I was going to say tired. You couldn't have slept that great on Sunday night. And then I don't care what you say. Oh, I slept well. I slept well. I took a Percocet. Oh, I was, yeah, well, well Saturday night. night, I was going to say you didn't, you didn't, you couldn't have slept all that yeah. well. Yeah. Saturday night. And then I don't let know. Let me tell you when I, let me tell you when I slept the best yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. When I got back to the hotel after they let me out of the hospital, when I didn't expect to get released from the hospital, I had a new lease on life. I texted Matt Casey who runs football night in America. And I said, look, I know we got the meeting at noon. I can, I come at one just cause I need to sleep a little bit before the full day and he said that's fine so i had two hours where i was able to just conk out before it was time to get ready and come to the studio and that two hours was great was magical yeah Yeah. that was magical and then last night i was up later than i should have been but that's fine you know sometimes there's an issue or two coming out of the monday night game or the thursday night game or the sunday night game that keeps me cranked up and it's hard to come down from it when you're writing copy paste snarky comment and stirring things up, and we'll stir things up about that game later in this segment. It's one of the wrinkles, one of the very fascinating moments that could resonate into the future, depending upon how the NFL wants to play it. But now we pivot back to what happened last night, and also what happened last night, because my son was very mad at me. Why? My son was very mad. Why is that? Because my son is all in, complete and total Vikings fan. And I'm at the point, especially this year, where I don't, I don't care. I really don't care, and I care far less than I did when – I was his his age. But I was when I was his age, I was exactly like him. He was mad that I was rooting for the Packers. He was mad. Well, why are you rooting for the Packers? Because I picked the Packers to win, and Sims picked the Raiders to win, and I'm up 2-0 in the three games where we disagree, and I want to go 3 nothing. I want to beat that bastard. That was my motivation. It's nothing against the Raiders. It's nothing against or in favor of the Packers. I just wanted to go 3-0. and 3-0 and is better than 2-1. and Three and zero is a three-game swing. Two and one is a one-game swing. So he was mad at me. Oh, you're not really a Vikings fan if you screw the Packers. Although he didn't say screw. You know that's that's the attitude you have to have if you're a Vikings fan. You hate the Packers, and if you're a Packers fan, you hate the Vikings. That's the way it goes. So he was very upset with me for rooting for the Packers last night. But I did. No, because you I wanted did. to beat you. Yeah, I mean, I wanted 13 to, beat to 10, you. Green Bay takes a lead, and I get a little gift text message of the Packers dancing in the end zone. 
So I know somebody was a little emotionally <laughs> invested in the football game. Uh, that, uh, but the, I just want to be right. That, thanks to the I Raiders. Right. I hear you. I, mean, I hear you. No, I know. I was, all I was all right. motivations go out the window when you want to be right. You're going to win that. I'm going to win best bets because I went 2-1 and one in best bets, and I don't think you did very good there. So I don't think I did. I made I the people some money this weekend. That's all I could say. You know, it's, It was yeah. Vegas. For a change. Boom. <laughs> yeah. You right. lost them money because they've learned to do the opposite of your best <laughs> maybe, bet. So maybe. when you're 2-1, and one, you screwed them at the drive-thru. <laughs> right, right. All right. Uh, so, Jordan Love, ugh, rough night. Three interceptions last night. Five interceptions in two primetime games. His opportunity. You know, they were two and one. Couple of primetime games, chance to show what he can do, and didn't do much relative to the expectation, relative to the standard that's been set in Green Bay. And now the Packers are two and three. And the, the Raiders had not beaten the Packers since 1987. Now, they don't play very often. Well, They've funny. played it's crazy. eight times since then, lost eight in a row since 87, finally beat the Green Bay Packers. So that, that I didn't know going into the game. I didn't know until after the game was over. But the Packers, when you think about it, going back to 87, they meet in 91, 95, 99. I mean, what is that? That's all Rodgers and Favre years. And what have the Raiders been for the past 35 years? Yeah. Frankly. Yeah, not well, very good. I, I thought, yeah, not very good. I guess I would have, I mean, you know, maybe in the Rich Gannon years or some of those, right? Like early two thousands. That's when the Raiders were good. But other than that, you're right. There's there's not much there. And let's see. Around that time, that was Brett Favre and all of that. Well, we had the Brett Favre when his father passed away, right? Uh, in, out in Oakland, and he throws the four touchdown passes and has the magical night. But that was a little later than early 2000s, right? That was around 2004, 5, somewhere that in there. That was 2003. It was three. That was the year after the Raiders went to the Super Bowl. Wow. It was late in the year, and, and the they Raiders started didn't to fall follow apart. their Super Bowl season. Right. Yeah, so they didn't play them in 02 or 01. Yep, so they got lucky And John there. Gruden. Right was there that was his last year 2001 yeah they met in in 90 they met in 93 99 2003 2007 2011 2015 2019 and now and when you look at those years none of those years were good Raiders years and a lot of those years yeah were good Packers, good Packers 2011 yeah. that was an MVP Aaron Rodgers 15-1 season good as I ever Packers seen. won 48 to 16 right in Green Bay that year I looked too at 87 the last time the Raiders won strike season that was September 13 that was that was maybe the last week before the strike yeah when yeah. the Raiders won that game a shutout 20 to nothing at Green Bay that was the last time the Raiders beat the Packers before last night. So it's been a long time. Raiders have been waiting a very long time to beat the Green Bay Packers, and they got it done. And it felt like it wasn't going to happen. It felt like it was, then it wasn't, then it did, then it didn't. And it came down to that last play. We showed that play at the top of the show. Christian Watson was open. That ball was late getting there. Definitely late. And he had pressure, Robinson made right? a hell of a play. So, so he made a hell of a play. He had yeah. pressure. He got flushed out of the pocket. Max yeah. Crosby, you know. But he fired that ball. He got it off late. And great play. The catch was phenomenal. Almost squirted Look through. at his vertical. Look at the catch. I know. He caught, on the shoulder pad. Right, and right. when I saw the replay, I thought, you know, that's a hair from popping through. And Watson catches it. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was pretty remarkable play by Robertson. It really was. I mean, first off, I was impressed with his vertical because he mistimed his jump and jumped early. And it's like he got to the top and was like, oh, no, don't come down. And he, like, floated in the air for a little bit. So that was incredible. Great job kind of locating the football. You don't always see that by DBs. And you're right. The catch kind of hand trapping it on the shoulder was big time there. Uh, so th that was a phenomenal play. And like you said, the, the Raiders don't expect their defense to be the star of the show. Uh, that was a big win for them last night. I don't think their team is as talented as Green Bay. That's the other reason it's a big win. But when Jordan, when you're Jordan Love and you throw three interceptions like that, and you're a team that's still finding its way, yeah, you lose to a game uh, that, that or lose it to a team that maybe is less talented than you on the road there.
Uh, but yeah, I know people are going to get on the, you know, maybe being late to Christian Watson. Here's the first interception. This was inexcusable. Defense did a great job and bailed them out and held the Raiders to a field goal when they got the ball inside the 10. But, you know, this is what's a little concerning with Jordan Love here. You know, There's four Raiders in the image. I don't know what There's four exactly. Raiders. I don't know what he's looking at. There's questionable, wait, why did you throw the ball that way, right? Here's the other interception where it's not a horrible interception, right? It's tight. I understand that. But, man, he's all over him like glue. He doesn't really back up. You got to be careful. It's a tight football game. It's Marcus Peters. You got to know that he's a pretty aggressive guy there. So, yeah, there's a little bad luck there, too, but that's a questionable decision. So, yeah, it was three bad interceptions and some big moments. Now, they were driving the ball there on that second interception, too, and kind of getting close to fringe t- field goal territory. We regressed with Jordan Love. The first week or two, it was positive vibes. Week three, it was not like we talked about yesterday. It wasn't pretty, but he was clutch with the last three drives of the game. So we went, oh, okay, all right, hey, he's still finding his way. But week four was a disaster on Thursday night against the Lions. And then you thought, hey, maybe we'll get a bounce back because of the long week, right? You talked about that yesterday. And no, we didn't. And I think that's also what's disappointing about the Packers' performance. You had the long week. You know, I expected a few more tricks in the bag on the offensive side of the ball, a little bit more efficiency, I guess. And I expected Jordan Love to look better, and, and that was not the case. And – there were three interceptions. There could have been a fourth. Robert Spillane almost pulled off the Rod Martin. Yeah, he Anyone did. out there that remembers Super Bowl fifteen? Rod Martin covers Sports Illustrated three interceptions against Ron Jaworski and the Eagles. There was another ball that was popped up, and Spillane had a shot at it. Oh, yeah, he did. But it wasn't to happen. But the, the other one was lucky his way. The other one was lucky the Packers' way. But that's not what you want to see. You don't want to see balls getting popped around. You want the ball delivered to open receivers. And again, Max Crosby had something to do with what happened last night, but still, that first interception, I don't understand what he was doing. The second one, like you said, that's too tight of a window to count on muscling the ball in. And the third one, Watson did the Randy Moss hand up in the air. Watson was open. He was past him. The ball gets delivered a little more quickly, and you're right. He had to get flushed out of the pocket. He wasn't set up. That they did credit to the pass rush, but that's interception number three at a time when the Packers were still – alive and it felt like yeah. maybe they could drive down and win the game with a touchdown 20 to 17 if that would have worked out now let's focus on the Packers offense okay we pivot to a little bit more on the the Raiders defense. all right whatever here's Matt want. LaFleur head yeah. coach of the team Matt LaFleur you, he's got a different demeanor this year I've noticed on the sideline than we've ever seen when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback yeah right it's very easy <laughs> yeah. to project right cool and calm he seems exasperated all the time. Uh, he's now. walking around. His second his half interview. Talking, yeah, it's, it's just it's definitely yeah. a different demeanor. I'm and with you. Just the look on his face. Yeah. it's like it's like what George Costanza learned that if you act irritated all the time at work, they'll think you're working hard. <laughs> he seems like he's irritated all the time. And and there was the interview with Kaylee Hartung at halftime of the Lions game where it was a Matt LaFleur I'd never heard before. He was mad that his guys came out and got their asses kicked yeah. the first half yeah. by the Lions. Right. And he kind of willed them toward a more interesting game, but they still lost handily. He just he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, and he's feeling it a little bit. Here he is from after the game on the state of the Green Bay offense right now. Obviously, searching for a little bit of answers right now. Um, I think this week will give us an opportunity to kind of go back. And, um, you know, I thought we did that over the, the mini-buy, but um, we we got we to gotta find something to get us going, to jumpstart us. Um, I think, you know, just reflecting how the game kind of laid out, probably needed to stick with the run a little bit more we in the second half we got under center um for the predominantly the, the majority of the second half and i thought that really helped us some more downhill runs um i thought aj was running really hard i thought our line was doing a pretty good job of coming off the ball and that kind of got us going a little bit um but you know we've got to look at everything it is strange. They had their mini-buy plus a day after playing on Thursday. They get all the way till Monday, and now they have their actual buy. It is very and weird. It was 
Probably it was funny. Good. He said, you know, we get a chance uh, we get a chance to go back and look at some things, but you know, we kind of did that. <laughs> we he's having a conversation with himself. Hey, we get an extended opportunity to figure out what was wrong, but you know what? Shit, we kind of spent the last fifteen days figuring out what was wrong and it didn't work. The AJ Dillon angle it was refreshing to me to see him running harder as the game went on, not yeah. just because I, right. I'd pick the Packers and you pick the Raiders, but it, it, it reminds us of the value of a workhorse running back. Yeah, what sure. happens later in the game. Right. Because it hurts Wear you to out. try to tackle this guy. Right. And he wears you down, and he starts banging, and he starts pounding. Now, the Raiders, the Raiders reacted well later in the game. They didn't disintegrate the way that we've seen workhorse tailbacks tear up an offensive or a defensive line excuse me but I thought that was great when they discovered that it's like hey this can open up the rest of the offense if this guy's just going to jackhammer his way through the defense but that's one of the benefits of having a guy who who gets better as the game goes on in part because the defense is sick of trying to tackle this guy who is running right into their faces every single play. Oh, he's a specimen. He's a load. And the Raiders, it, it was you know respectable what they did. I mean, 20 carries, 76 yards, right? They did hang in there. I think it helps, too, to, to the point of you're not worried about a Jordan Love passing game tearing you up. So the Raiders could favor crowding the line of scrimmage and doing all that. I do love the underneath the center downhill aspect of what we're seeing there, right? I mean, we see the 49ers do that a lot. It's good. It's great for a running back, big physical running backs. Now they get to come downhill instead of being in the shotgun where we saw Derrick Henry not get a fourth down late in the Colts game, right? They did a shotgun run, and hey, his first two or three steps are sideways before he can go downhill. That doesn't make sense for big running backs like that. So I think that is they're onto something there. But, yeah, their offense is still in Strugglesville, like for real. One, it's a quarterback that's still learning his way here, and it's shaky. They're young as hell on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Christian Watson just got back. We know how explosive he is, but they got to get him the ball more. Three, three, you know, three touches is just not enough for the most explosive football player on your football team. You know, Romeo Dobbs, he doesn't really touch the ball. We got a rookie tight end in Musgrave. There's no Aaron Jones, and that's really the killer for this offense because Aaron Jones, of course, is another explosive playmaker and the guy that they formulate a bunch of short passes for Jordan Love to hit, and that can be almost like a de facto running game too to go, hey, creep up, and now we got some other shots to hit the ball down the field, right? So they're missing that, and then we know their O-line has been a little banged up and not perfect there either, so there's a lot of issues there. It starts with the quarterback, uh, you know, Jordan Love. It, it's definitely shaky here, but there's some other things there too that are not helping out the progress of Jordan Love that they are going to have to figure out. And uh, I don't know, you know, not playing that long. There's a part of me that's like, damn, they need to play more. They're young, but maybe the break will be good to where they can figure out some new things, get healthy, and then figure out a new formula. And when they come back, it's 12 straight weeks of football with no break. So you're not going to have the luxury of trying to go back to the lab after a loss and figure it out. You got to figure it out on the fly. They're at the Broncos week seven. Then they host the Vikings and the Rams back to back weeks when they come out of the bye. I want to say one thing about the Raiders offense before we focus on the play that had me stirring things up last night, but genuinely raising what I think is a realistic safety concern for the NFL. But before we get there, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo got bailed out by his defense. Josh Jacobs eventually started to run well. I, I want to just mention the love fest. And I'm not trying to be critical of Joe and Troy. But there was a little bit of a love fest for Jimmy G last night, and it started with this idea that he's a winner. Now, first of all, in these parts, anytime you call a quarterback a winner, it is a finable offense right out of the gates. Because in the abstract, in theory, winning and losing is irrelevant to the quarterback. It's a 22-man game plus special teams. The quarterback doesn't win the game like a pitcher wins a game in baseball. That said, I still believe a great running back excuse me, a great quarterback with great intangibles Yeah, right. can I, elevate yeah. a team. Definitely. That there is something to be said for the field general who acts like the coach on the field and makes guys play better 
by his presence, by his demands, by the standard he sets for himself, and you can will a team to victory when it otherwise would lose. But Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that guy. He isn't that guy. No, he's, he's not. The guy. And, and this is not... This is not an anti-Jimmy G take. This is an anti-lazy takes that think make this guy yeah, better they prop than him really up. Is. He's put on a pedestal. Right, All he does right. is win. Look at the 49ers. Yeah. Oh, you All mean is look win. at the yeah. best team in football? I go, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. With the best coach? Oh, All they he win? Does is win. Oh, whoa, he With threw the best team, the best threw, coach, the best everything. Right. He threw the two dumbest interceptions I ever saw, and they still won the game despite of him. But yeah, he's a winner. I, I know, Mike. It's, it's, yeah. it's some BS huh. talk when people say that. The Super Bowl run in 2019 was fueled by Kyle Shanahan realizing. This guy is going to cause us to lose the game. Let's just make him hand off. Oh, and it worked against the Vikings. Let's just make him hand off the whole damn game against Green Bay to get to the Super Bowl. Let's do that, too. And then we'll have two weeks to figure out how to actually let him play quarterback in Super Bowl, what was it, 53 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he had Emmanuel Sanders open for what could have been a game-winning throw, and he missed him. He wasn't as bad as we've seen at moments in the Super Bowl. But no, no, there was some bad. Not- there, there, there's some bad. There were, like If yeah. we sat down with a group of people and watched film yeah. – Right, that the TV yeah. telecast didn't get where we would have been be like nice. that. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'll be real with it there and just say I know you were trying to be nice because we've had these talks, you and I. Yeah, there was there was some bad. It's there. not like, anti him. Yeah, it's not anti him. It's anti lazy, lazy low hanging right. fruit. Right. Because he played for a great team with a great coach, he must be great. No, if he was, he'd still be there. Yeah, folks, they wouldn't if have spent that three great, years trying to replace he'd him. Still be <laughs> the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. They wouldn't be thrilled to have Brock Purdy. They wouldn't have given up all the assets to get Trey Lance if he was that right. great. The ones who know him know he's not as great as you're trying to make him out to be. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm like thinking, is there some extended relationship, like <laughs> family, like is somebody's marrying somebody's cousin? Like what am I missing here that Troy and Joe are so all in with? Jimmy Garoppolo. It was bizarre, and it makes me even more pissed off to want to set the record straight. He's not a guy that is going to cause you to win. If anything, he's a guy who's going to cause you to lose when you otherwise should win. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but it's true. I, I, you know, I don't disagree with you. You know that. You know, you know, I'm a 49er fan and watched them closely over the years, and I've always scratched my head at those comments, going, "Wait." Did we just watch the same game there? Like what? You know, he he's still being managed. Last night he was still being managed to a degree. You know, they're they're throwing screens. Hey. You know, they got to worry about his lack of mobility. They're not you know great up front right now. So they're they're being careful there. And then you know you know to your point, that interception that was textbook dumb dumb meathead interception. Jimmy Garoppolo slipping back into that guy that we'd see from time to time. He was slipping Jimmy. That's what my son and I said. He may watch better call Saul. But so wait, slipping Jimmy is. You're, you're exactly right. And you know we had the great clip after this of Josh McDaniels. But look at this play, guys. If you could slow this down a little bit, now, I know this play. I saw McDaniels, of course, talking to Garoppolo. Maybe rewind this one right here, guys. Uh, Courtney and Kristen, if you are, are, yeah, yeah, this would be great. But look, here's the play. It's it's a corner route by Devonte Adams on the top, right by the four and the zero. He's got going to have a crossing route. All they got to do, all he's got to do, is read the backside defender. Let it go a little bit, guys. So the corner at the top, the corner at the top's in a bind because right now he's going. Wait, I got to worry about the cross. Or do I got to worry about Devontae Adams? They had them in a schematical bind. That play was for that right there. That's why McDaniels, after the play, is in Jimmy G's ear, sitting oh, on the sidelines, oh, yes. talking to him, going, hey, he, this is why we did this, and this is why we're paying this receiver $27 because if you look here on the left of your screen, Devontae Adams is open for a 40-yard gain. I mean, it doesn't get any more wide open than that in the NFL. And I'm sure, knowing McDaniel's, this is the, the you know what was talked about all week when they got this coverage and this type of play to go along with it. So, yeah, to your point there, yes, he's 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 a solid quarterback. He's solid. 
He's below middle of the road, in my opinion, at this point. And then you see that more, you know, when they they can't protect. And, of course, their running game is not great right now and all of that. Uh, and, yeah, they were they were fortunate to get the win last night. It was a sloppy game on both sides of the ball. And like you said, their defense was really the, the star of the show that kind of bailed them out. And that's without even acknowledging the fact that he holds the ball too long, takes too many hits. He got face-planted last night. I'm surprised they didn't take him for a concussion check because he's just out of the protocol. I would like to think that the standard protocol, because they act like once you're cleared from a concussion, you're fine like it never happened. I'd like to think a guy fresh out of the protocol who bangs his head into the ground, whether it's grass or turf, is going to at least have a talking to. I mean, he, there, there was nobody attending to him when he came to the sideline, but that's part of it too the ever-present injury risk because he'll hold the ball too long. He'll take too many hits. He gets shoved down to the ground too often. And well, he can't I, move and get out of way a lot of times, you know, like you're saying. Well, too. then you got you got to manage that like I Tom know. Brady does. If all else fails, duck and cover. No doubt. Like Tom Brady was doing late in his career. Get rid of the ball so you don't take that hit, so you don't go helmet first into the turf, and it's all twisted down over your face as you're fresh off of the concussion protocol. And then McDaniel's you know, talking to him on the sideline, Everything but but spinning the tablet in his general <laughs> yeah, direction like right. we saw last Monday night from Brian Dayball and Daniel Jones. So, and, and the Raiders overcame that. Now, he didn't do anything stupid again down the stretch, so maybe that little conversation worked. But, yeah, that, was, uh, that changes the game if he makes that throw, and that's the throw. Like you said, they, they're, tr- they're setting that up. They're trying to get that moment. That's the play. That's the one they've been talking about all week. They're going to get it in the right moment at the right time, the right spot in the game, and it's going to bust everything open. And then it ends up being an interception because he he makes the wrong read and throws it to the wrong guy. And, again, this is not anti-Jimmy. Why do you hate Jimmy? No. I, it's just the, the legend of Jimmy Garoppolo that's kind of been crafted by others isn't justified. So somebody's got to push back. I, I mean, we can either sit back and say nothing or we can try to push back. And I think for something like this, it's our obligation to try to push back because it was over the top last night. It was it was a little much. And again, I'm not trying to criticize our friends at ESPN, but it was a little much because it's like you're warping reality. You're gaslighting us trying to make this guy into another Joe Montana. He'd still be on the 49ers if he was another Joe Montana because there wasn't a Steve Young there trying to push him out the door. No, no, it is. It's fascinating. You know, I think he's a great guy. People like him. Right. He's kind of for a quarterback a little bit, you know, I don't know what the phrase is, unassuming. He's not looking for all the tension and all that. And I think almost it kind of gives him a free pass in the locker room and, you know, and with media members at times. Right. He doesn't claim to be a superstar or anything like that. And it is. It's odd how. You know, I don't know what the other elements there that add to this with the the psychology of the whole thing, but yeah, I think we're fair to to push back on that sentiment. That that's been going on a little too long there with people saying that. Um, so I I don't think we're being too critical. I think we're being pretty realistic about really what everybody in the NFL knows and sees. It's just that yeah, there's some people out on TV and in the media that continue just to throw out the winner thing, like you said, and it kind of confuses the situation and is not really you know rooted in reality that way. Because the folks who do the games are far more more influential to the average fan than I think anyone realizes because that's the soundtrack of the game. You turn on the game, mass audience, that's what people hear. And it kind of trickles into their brains, and they accept it, and they go to work the next day, and they parrot the things they hear during the broadcast. You want to sound smart when you're talking to your friends and your colleagues and talking about the game? You heard somebody say something that made reasonable sense, so you parrot that, and it becomes the narrative even if it's completely unfair and incorrect. And for people who are in the sport, they should know that that's really not the way this guy is viewed. Wins and losses are irrelevant to what Jimmy Garoppolo is as a quarterback, and and so be it. Let's yeah, move on. Well, yeah, so uh, you know, hey. gets me in trouble. Hey, well, no, but it, it, I don't think I have yet. Well, no, but, but, I, but, but I think we're just, you know, hey, the, the, that, point, that interception, that point we're talking about right there, the game's 10-3, right? They blew an opportunity before the half to go up, 
right? 13 to three and, and missed the field goal. And that was the one that was blocked a little bit, right? That, that, that one there. Um, but either way, they yes. missed that opportunity. And yeah. And you're going. Josh, uh, uh, Josh, uh, the big offensive lineman got the hand on so, it. So, but either way. Josh. They, Josh, good job with that call there. But either way, Josh. so then you go, hey, it's 10-3. They're going to have a chance to assert themselves and control this game, getting the ball in the third quarter. And it's the exact opposite. All of a sudden, wait. We throw a horrible interception. We give them great field position. All right, and now, oh, dude, it's touchdown, and now we're stuck in a tough spot here, and then we were in a spot of total control, but now we've given a struggling Packers offense the ball at the 40-yard line and kind of like, hey, hey, get jump-started here, get going. They get the touchdown. The momentum's changed. They get the ball back. They don't convert on third down. And then comes Jordan Love to Christian Watson oh, on the big is. play. There it is. Oh, here's the play. Right. He's going. Look, we hey, all dumbass. week. I showed hey, you dumbass. this guy. <laughs> this guy's in a bind. We're going to have two on one. Whoever he doesn't take, let's throw to the other guy. And, of course, that didn't work that way. But, uh, yeah, un- unfortunate there. But, yeah, that that – and that totally did swing the momentum back into the Packers' favor and, of course, made things tough on the Raiders kind of coming back and pulling out the victory. By the way, I didn't even get the first name right. It's not Josh. It's Josh. Josh Nyman. All six foot seven, 314 pounds of him. Got the hand on the Daniel Carlson field goal that was blocked and went uh, wide to the left, and then he missed the 52-yarder late in the game, doinked off the upright. My son said, that guy probably hates the Packers. Because remember, he was with the Vikings and missed some easy kicks, and they cut him right, after right. they had drafted him. Yep. And he's done really well with the Raiders. Very and his well. brother kicks for the Packers now. I didn't know his brother kicked for the Packers. I didn't, I didn't make the connection until last night. So, neat story. And it wouldn't have been as close as it was if Daniel Carlson had made those two kicks. All right, now, here's the here's here's the the thing I want to I talk to you about. Yeah. And, I'm not taking a position. I'm sounding this out. One right. of the things they teach you in law school is how to spot issues. Yeah. How do you spot issues in a set of facts? How do you find something that cries out for further analysis? So let's go to last night. The Packers have the ball, third quarter. It's first and 10 on their own 17 after a punt. Jordan Love rolls to the left and wide ass open is Christian Watson at the 50. There's Love. He's rolling. He sees Watson. He throws a little rainbow there. And then Watson makes the move to the outside, cuts it up, and it looks like he's going to go. And inside the 15, Marcus Peters grabs him by the back of the shirt collar and throws him down. Blatant violation of the horse collar tackle. Yeah. Textbook. Although it didn't drag him down onto his legs, that's exactly what has been written out of the rule book for some 20 years, thanks to your former Texas teammate, Roy Williams. No, no, no it was the Oklahoma teammate. teammate. Not your teammate. That your jerk former from nemesis, Oklahoma, Roy, Roy Williams. Williams. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. The Roy Williams that came was doing to everybody. over the pile. Right, right. Yeah. I saw it a few times this past yeah, week. Yeah, thank you very reason. much. I don't know thank why. You. Hey, I got an itch so anyway, in my head. Screw you. That, yes. <laughs> that, that, Roy Williams, that Roy Williams was doing it to everybody. He broke Terrell Owens' leg in 2004, if you remember that. He I came did. back from it very heroically and played in the Super Bowl. So, so here's the conversation. Here's the issue that that I spotted based upon my general knowledge of the rule book. I don't profess to have, you know, former referee knowledge of the rule book, but I've studied the thing a few times. It's kind of like the NFL's law book. And as somebody who used to practice law, I'm fascinated by the way those rules are interpreted, the way they're written, what they mean, what they don't mean, and how they're applied, because a lot of times they're not applied the way they're written. So my first thought was, okay, we've never seen this happen before. I don't remember ever seeing guy who is on his way to the end zone and the last chance of getting him uses the horse collar tackle to pull him down. We've never seen that. It's been 20, yeah, I mean, it's 20 years since they've made it illegal and there's just something about it to me that was like, you know, you're using a technique that the league has decided long ago is unsafe. You're using that as the way to bring a guy down who otherwise is going to score a touchdown. There's something about that that doesn't sit right with me because you're consciously embracing the risk of injury. You're consciously inflicting the potential injury on the player with a we don't do this anymore type of a play to save a touchdown. 
And to me, that's different from, for example, the receiver who's wide open inside the five, the ball's coming in, and you just knock him down, you shove him down so he doesn't catch the pass because you don't want to give up the touchdown. Because you're not using an inherently unsafe technique to shove him down. You're not horse-collaring him to shove him down. You're just interfering so he can't catch the pass. That's the difference to me. This is unsafe action used to avoid a touchdown. And the reason this even occurred to me is because, in the rule book. Because, because you picked the Go Packers ahead. to win? <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why. That's part of it. That's part of it. I was mad. I was mad that the Packers uh, didn't score. That, that was the flame. Right. But then I started thinking about yeah, it. I hear okay, you. and here's the thing that's in the rule book. It's in the rule book 17 different times, and they never use it. And I'm not saying they should have used it here. All I'm saying is they need to have the conversation about yeah, this. Yeah. The rule book allows for a touchdown to be awarded in the event of what the officials deem to be a palpably unfair act. Now, palpably is just a fancy-sounding synonym for noticeably or clearly. Now, unfair, violation of the rules, I don't know when a violation of the rules becomes unfair. And let me give you a couple of examples. If someone would run off the sideline and tackle somebody who's – Clearly right. on their way to the end. Mike Tomlin to tripping right. maybe the kick returner that time, right? But he didn't, Listen, I know. But that's like that. an example. Right. Jacoby Jones, Thanksgiving right. night. That's yeah. an example right. of where the officials could have said, that's a palpably unfair act. We're giving the Ravens the touchdown. They could have done that. But even though it's in the rule book 17 different times, they never use it. It's laughable. They never, you've never heard them apply it. I defy anyone out there to find a piece of tape where anything is done for one team over another team because of a palpably unfair act. And there's one specific example that's fascinating to me because I remember when I was a kid reading about somebody, I think, from the Colts who blocked a field goal at the crossbar, jumped up, and blocked it before it could go through. Right. Used to be permissible. Yeah. Now it's not. And the rule book specifically says if that happens – the officials may award three points right. for a palpably unfair act because you're not allowed to go back there and block the field goal at the crossbar. So my point here is this. If the NFL is truly committed to player safety, well, let's do this before I say that. Let's hear from Josh McDaniels praising Marcus Peters after the game for using a violent and unsafe maneuver, which is proven to break limbs as a way to bring down Christian Watson avoided touchdown. Here's McDaniels praising Peters for what he did. Yeah, and talk to Marcus. It's the right penalty. You know, um, you know that that's a really smart play in a critical time in the game. And you know, if it's the first quarter in the middle of the field, you don't want a horse collar. You know, but if you're saving a touchdown on a long play like that, you at least give yourself a chance to play a few more downs, which he did. Okay. Now. I wrote the story at PFT and I posted some tweets last night before I was even aware he said that. Because at one point I said, folks, you got to ask yourself, does the NFL want defensive coaches to say to their players, if all else fails, rip him down by the black, uh, back of his collar. If he breaks his leg, so be it. We at least saved the touchdown. I don't think you want that if you're the NFL. So all I'm saying is, yeah, because we know how they are. They're not proactive. Chris, they never would have thought of this on their own. It's something that has to happen, and now they decide, do we want this to happen again? I just think they at least need to have a responsible conversation as to whether or not, if that ever happens again, they should just award the touchdown so you don't have Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, and all the other coaches now saying, hey, guys, if all else fails, just pull them down by the horse collar. I'll praise you for it. I won't say, well, we still don't want that technique in the game. It's an unsafe maneuver. He could have really hurt Christian Watson by doing it. All he said is, hey, save the touchdown. That's all that matters. So my point is I think they should at least have a responsible conversation about whether or not that should be allowed or encouraged or rewarded. Right. I I, I understand that. Yeah, I think the rule, as it's stated 17 times, like you said – is probably more in there for, like we were talking about, the coach being on the field, a fan running out and tripping a guy when he's about to score a touchdown, kind of stuff like that. 
Well, I, I don't disagree with you that there's there's some merit to having this conversation there. You're basically That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Let's have the conversation. You're basically saying like NBA fast break rule, right? Where they foul a guy and you go, Oh, he's about to dunk it and he's got everybody right and they foul him before he even gets the pass when he's like twenty feet in front of everybody, right? He's about to be a breakaway. You're kind of saying the same thing there. Like that's a touchdown, right? You give it to him and that was unfair. I, I get that. I do. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it more about what the unintended consequences there are. Now, I will say, with Marcus Peters, right, you know, and you're right. Coaches are going to say, hey, great job. Just do what you got to do in they're this gonna moment. Show, they're gonna, it's going to be in the meetings now. now. Players hey, and guys, coaches look at this. Are, look at this. Players and coaches are humans, and they don't want to see guys hurt players they they don't they don't want to see that and I do think Marcus Peters is smart enough and a veteran a player enough to know at least when he did that right there he didn't throw his legs down and his body weight down and do it that way he kind of just got he's on just him trying to the, get into the ground he I was. don't think he's thinking about it he's just trying to get well it down. I, I I think players are smart enough in the moment to realize hey wait I got him in a bad spot and I'm not gonna just like put my just drop my weight now and do that and I, I think he's smart enough to, to kind of have a, a heart or a soul there to do that. Uh, yeah. Either way, it's a dangerous play. I think there's play. too much going on in that moment to consciously think that. I, I think know. he was saying, no, i got to get this guy Mike, down we've seen, no matter We've what. seen guys over the middle. They've, they've all adjusted their things in split seconds. They, yeah. they can think that quickly. I do. But, but either way, I think your point's real. You're right. And that was a huge moment. And I will praise Marcus Peters as well because, again, yeah, within the rules and the way they are right now, that was the smart football play. But you're right. As, as far as player safety is concerned and all that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there does need to be some sort of well, remedy uh, or, or, or at least, like, you know, you re review it, whatever. I, I don't know how that goes down, but it certainly was an interesting moment that I had the kind of the same thought you did when I saw it happen. The difference is it's a safety rule that's implicated. That's yeah. why they need to have the conversation. Because if you're serious about your safety rules, you come up with ways to seal off strategically breaking the safety rules for your gain. That's the main point here. If you're going to have a safety rule that you feel strongly about, you better be willing to protect that rule and discourage anyone from breaking that rule for some sort of a gain on the field. For example, and I'm trying to think of another way this could apply. If you've got a quarterback who is standing without anyone coming at him and there's a guy open 50 yards down the field and you've got a defender who sees, holy crap, there's a guy open standing alone and the only way I'm going to prevent the quarterback from throwing this ball is to hit him in the head or take out his knees. Again, we're getting into this area of, okay, it's good to do it because you help your team win, but you're violating a safety rule to help your team win, to help your team get some positive result. And it's all part, I think, of the evolution of the NFL's obsession, rightfully so, with player safety. You put Not in that rules, obsessed. You take out but, techniques. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, but you, you see I what I'm saying. I mean, I mean I know, they're – I, I, I'm talking about the player surface, the playing surface, but I got you. You're well, right. You're well, right. I with the you. rules, I, yeah, creating the perception that they care about player right, safety. Right. How about that? They're yeah. obsessed with creating the perception that they care. So if they're obsessed with creating the perception that they care, when your safety rules can be manipulated, can be deliberately violated in a way that helps one team, I just think if you truly care, if you truly care about the safety aspect, you at least need to have the conversation among the competition committee. And, you know, I, I can hear Rich McKay now. Well, we have to consider the unintended consequences. Well, we think that's an extreme situation. It's rarely going to happen because they don't like to do anything, especially after the pass interference replay review debacle of 2019. That's their ultimate pass for not doing anything big because we may screw it up again. But to me, this is a very narrow, very specific, very rare circumstance. If you're the last guy and you use the horse collar to bring that guy down, and he's otherwise scoring a touchdown. They just should have the conversation, whether that's something you want to encourage or discourage by saying it's not going to matter because yeah. we're going to give him the touchdown and you're going to get fined.
Yeah. Listen, that's the other thing about these half the distance penalties. It was a three yard penalty. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Yeah, it's a three yard no, penalty. That's right. That's it, where it was smart within the confines of the rules. Right. But he was using a rule that is specifically there for the safety of his fellow man. Yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, hey, listen, the, the thing I think about, I guess, is, hey, if, if he had long hair and the guy just pulled him down by his hair, it's legal. Right. Because that's on it. Well, that's right. right? You know, that's right. There's some weird it's a legal play. Right. So that, that that's kind of weird to it. Horse collar at times can be subjective. I mean, last Thursday night in the in the or no, yeah, that was Thursday night. The Bears Washington game. I saw a guy get tackled from the front of his horse and they called a horse collar. And that was it was wrong. And I, I believe Terry McCauley came on and said, that, yeah, that, that's not a horse collar. Horse collar has to be on the back of the nameplate inside the jersey and shoulder pad you know, frame there. Right. So I guess those are some things I just think about unintended consequences, too. And, you know, I like you said, it, oh. it's worth talking and, and, and having it, you know, having that conversation, too. Uh, but you know, I I guess there's a part of me that sit here and could argue, Hey, guy wide open down the field and he's sitting there waiting for the ball and somebody cleans his clock before the ball gets there because, Oh no, he's wide open. So I'm not going to play the ball. So are we going to just give them touchdowns now too and go, well, he might've scored there and that was unnecessary roughness and he didn't need to do that and hit them there. That's where I think it, it opens up a can of worms, Mike. Right, and this is a very specific, very narrow thing. We have a safety rule that's been in place for 20 years, and we've seen a guy deliberately violate it for strategic reasons, and it's just a conversation that needs to be had. I still think it's different with pass interference because you can disrupt the guy from catching the ball without doing something that is inherently unsafe. Yeah, I hear you there. Removed from the permissible techniques on a football field. And this is all – this isn't – yeah. I mean, if if, if I had – my choice, which I don't, and they don't care what I think about it, I would say under that circumstance it probably should be a touchdown awarded because you don't want to encourage a guy to do a horse collar tackle as the last line of defense to bring a guy down. All I'm saying is they should have the conversation. They're the ones who are paid. They're the ones who are the stewards of the sport, and I think it's responsible to at least have the conversation. It's not going to happen very often. It may happen once every 20 years. No, well, that's years, what I was going to say. Right? That's, that's why I think you, it's, it's on rare. the radar. Let's continue to gather evidence on it. But you're right. Yeah, That's going to be their, also their defense to go, well, we don't need to do anything about it because it only happens once every 20 years. It never that, happens. You know, right, right. So that, that'll be the And, and Chris, here. here's the last point, too. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that they got one wrong the other night. For something like that, you, you get could, the league office involved. Yeah, get you review. get replay involved. Yeah, you're, you're sure that it's right. clearly a horse collar tackle right. that was used before you would take the step of awarding a touchdown. I just think, bottom line, even though the term palpably unfair act shows up in the rule book 17 times, no one wants to ever have to say, we're giving you a touchdown, even though you didn't score a touchdown. That's just against the whole culture of officiating the game, even though it's in the rule book. And that's one of the things that always drives me crazy. If you're not going to use it, take it out of the rule book. It looks bad to have rules that you just look the other way on. And I feel like they've always kind of looked the other way, just like the Tomlin thing. It should have been a touchdown for the Ravens that night. It was a palpably unfair act. You got a guy who's supposed to be on the sideline, and even though he didn't intend to do it, he's on the field, trips the guy up, they should have given him a touchdown. But I don't think, because they never use it, the officials aren't even wired to think about it. It's not even on their radar screen yeah, during no, the game. Yeah, no, you're right, right. They just don't use it. So it's kind of a weird thing anyway, but it was a fun little postscript to the game. And again, one of the reasons we're here is to spot those issues, pull those threads, start those conversations. We're trying to make the sport better, and we're trying to make the rules reflect what, and the application of the rules reflect what the league wants. What do they want? Do they want to encourage defensive players to use the horse collar tackle in the open field like that to prevent a touchdown, I don't think they do. No. Let's take a break, or at least I don't think they should. When we return, a little bad news for the Vikings, some information on the Justin Jefferson hamstring injury, and more as this Tuesday edition of TFT Live continues right after this. 